Good morning. Happy Monday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Man, coming off a great weekend. Uh, digging into today's Q&A. Uh, this is with Alec. This is a little bit different from what we typically talk about, but it's a very important question and, and an important discussion to have. And it has to do with um, creating an, an environment where you can be productive. And so this is a, a, about dealing with attention-related issues, self-regulation-related issues. So if you're working in open spaces, if you're working in commercial gyms, there's lots of distractions. Um, when we're trying to recapture movement uh, capabilities, in many cases, it requires internal internalizing a lot of cues. And how do we handle these, these large distractions? How do we create a situation? In my case, um, what I do is I create a room. And so um, I always talk about the purple room. And I wrote a blog many, many years ago about why the room is purple. And it has to do with a, a clinic that I was in in Florida in the, in the mid-90s. And this, this therapist had created an entire clinic that was specifically designed to improve self-regulation. And it was very, very impressive. And one of the, one of the qualities of that, of that facility was that everything was this, this light shade of purple. There was lavender scent in the air. There was music playing in the background. So he created this incredible environment. I don't go to that extreme, but I do control as many things as I can to get a home field advantage. And so this is, this is the question that we answered for Alec is like, well, how do you do this in a commercial situation? Is there anything that we we can do to help our, our clients improve their self-regulation to make all of the things that we're doing even more effective. So thank you, Alec. This is a, this is a big question, a very important question for a lot of people. If you'd like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it and include your question in the email if you would. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Monday and I will see you tomorrow. I, I recall one time where you made a comment about the fact that some people, like let's say someone that is very compressed, um, that is IRing very hard into the ground, that is kind of close to end game, they have a hard time to like actually just, we need to unweight them just because they cannot get good feedback from their feet. And I kind of kept thinking about that. And I kept thinking also like just by contrast of, trying to train, trying to have someone like be very keenly aware of nuance in a reset in a commercial gym where beside that there's like three dudes grunting and dropping bars and, <laughs> and there's like some Bon Jovi playing for no reason. Um, and, and as long as and it's I, living on a prayer, we're okay. It was not. They play, they don't play that song for some reason. But anyway, um, my point being like, I'm, I'm trying to think how can I how can I get like some, some time expansion, if that makes sense? Like in the sense, how, like I, I, I kept thinking of how you, you, if my memory is correct, the reason why the purple room was purple is because it was appeasing. Yes. And the same manner that like, I'm pretty sure you're very deliberate with the tone of your voice yes. when you explain something with someone. Yes, and I never, I don't yell. And yeah, exactly. Cause, but so I'm trying to think like, how can I, pro, how can I bring that into my coaching? Cause my environment doesn't allow my clients to be very, uh, very aware of their body, like feeling a first method on the wall in the middle of like this kind of crowded place where people are dropping weights and whatnot. Like, 
So I'm so this is where I'm trying to like, how can I make more space in the moment where they are doing their reset, so that that they are able to to um like to to gain a more granular experience of what like what they are actually doing. Because oftentimes I put them in the right position. I'm like, can you feel this? And it's just like it's like super gross movement pattern where it's like, yeah, no, I'm yeah. not recapturing. Well, I, I, I understand your dilemma. I just don't know that if there's necessarily a great solution because you know you you have a lot of sound that you're that you're trying to block out um which th then your vocalization becomes more important okay. you know and and so this might be like the the exception to the rule of saying less okay where, where your voice becomes the guidance and mm. you know um, so you know to overcome bon jovi you know, you're going to have to hold somebody's attention. Yeah. So that might be a little bit more of a continuous um, instruction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not giving more details, but giving the same details more times. Yeah, guided meditation type of thing. Kind of. Just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want. You don't want to be. You don't want to be necessarily that meditative right but yeah no, no, i just mean in the the sense of like uh right. continuously being directive into right. the same process and, and then it's a matter of of literally finding a location within the facility where there are fewer just visual distractions mm -hmm. right so if you can find a corner space that that like if you've got two like you got a wall and a wall you've eliminated 50 percent of the space around them Right. And then you become the other wall. Right. And so then they're facing away from everything and and you are capturing the the space for them, so to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. So yeah. if you can find a corner. Yeah. Right? Okay. If you just got a wall and then two big spaces on either side, you're on one space and then they still have that big open space. So if you can create an isolated area, that might All be right. helpful. That might be helpful. And and in I so I was thinking that but, but that's helpful along the same that's pretty much what I can do within the facility I was trying to think like okay what's where is the other place where we can like try to kind of unpack this overwhelm of of pressure and and to have them be more to have like a gradient to attend to the force produced in the activity by having them be unweighted a bit and I was thinking like would there be value not to have them necessarily meditate at home but just like just like just do some like long relaxed breathing like not even in a position of like maybe just on their back with like their feet up on a chair or just just oh, like have and have them kind of like just okay just breathe in and out and try to like feel your body get big and small and you can't even try to get into a reset just to maybe have a practice to to attend to physical sensation would there be values there of course there is it's like anything anytime anytime you can internalize you improve self-regulation that's what meditation okay. is for Right. Meditation. Yeah. Meditation is just for self-regulation purposes. Right. Um, yeah. But so when when uh, when I coach people to do lazy rolling. Activities like the really slow, lazy rolling activities. Yeah. I always ask them, I say, do you meditate? 
And surprisingly, a lot of people do, or they try anyway. And then, so I tell them, I say, your lazy rolling is now your meditation because that is a very internalized activity because there's always the self-coaching of slow down, stay heavy, less muscle activity, right? Mm -hmm. So you learn, they learn how to self-regulate. So it, it is meditative, right? Where like, if you're doing transcendental meditation and you have a mantra, so what the mantra is for is to create white noise, to block out all other thoughts and activities. If I yeah. put you in lazy rolling and I say, attend to this, always think this, always remind yourself of this, I've now internalized. So now you're teaching self-regulation and, and you're promoting a shape change that might be favorable. Yeah, okay. So I would lean in that direction. I would give them something to do that, that achieves the desired outcome versus just, and, and again, there's no wrong here. I'm just trying to say, maybe this is a little bit better. Good morning, happy Tuesday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, man, already a busy Tuesday. Um, international calls this morning, so we're gonna dig straight into today's Q&A. Um, this is with Ian and Ian's question led us in a, in a really interesting direction. It, kind of a foundational uh, concept. Um, when I constructed the the two archetypes, the whole premise behind that was to give us a better representation of what starting conditions were so we can better determine as we measure someone where they are relative to where they would have started. And so, you know, just a quickie review, if we looked at the, uh, the pelvis, if we had like a wide ISA representation, that's going to be with our nominates in an IR position with a nutated sacrum. If we go to the narrow, then we're going to look at an ER denominant situation with a counter nutated sacrum. And that's important because again, it gives us a representation of starting conditions. If we know where you started, we know where you are, then we know how to reverse engineer the process. And in this discussion, we actually talk about how the anterior orientation occurs because the starting conditions are different in a narrow and a wide. We're going to see that anterior orientation develop in a little bit different manner. So, so this is a very useful question for a lot of people because there's a lot of questions as to how this anterior orientation occurs. So thank you, Ian. It's a great question. If you'd like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. Please include your question in the email. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday, and I will see you tomorrow. I, I had a, a question that you said when you have a narrow that has more IR on the left, you know that's coming from the from the spine. And then you said the narrows would start the compensatory uh, strategies up <clears throat> top, yeah. go down. So yeah. it would be like uh, C3, C5, C, C6, go, going down towards, towards the pelvis, creating that IR. And I'm just, I'm just trying to see, is that why, because they are already ER'd and they have space to IR into, or is that just because they're not weight bearing so much through the, through the upper, upper parts of the spine? So they're, so they're, so they're moving into a late representation. Yeah. From proximal to distal, right? They're upper. proximal, they're proximal, is that if we talk about the lumbar spine, the proximal is at, at the T11-12. Yeah. 
right? And then for like, so when in Taya's example, where it was at 25 degrees of hip IR was on that individual that you were just talking about. Okay. So the amount of orientation that they have is not at the extreme. Whereas I had somebody that was like 45, 50 degrees of hip IR. That's somebody that's going to have every one of those segments turned to the right. Yeah. You see it? It's yeah. like, so as it, as it, as it ticks down from like L1, L2, L3, you're getting more and more and more and more IR under those circumstances. Right. It's a late representation. It's a, it's the late representation coming down from the, from the. Uh, all right. All right. And that's, that's all the discussion when the pelvis is in one piece and then you just get, you just get all the, all the stuff moving above it and going, going to wide, I say would, because they are already in IR, they start, they start in IR. Is that why, would that just be uh, reversed? Would that go because, all right. So when they're, when they go on oblique angle orientation, they, their right side would go towards IR, but the left side would be like ER, 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 ER. No. No? No. They're just going to, so they're going to, the, um, did you say left side to ER? Yeah, left side into ER. No, because so 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 they still have they still have to to turn into the the internal right. forces, right? Oh, yeah, they still have to turn right. They still have yeah, they still have to push against the stuff that's going on internally, right? All right. Yeah. So what you're gonna what you're gonna end up seeing gradually is is the um, the anterior orientation is going to be greater on the left side than it is on the right side. So there's a differential between the two. The further they go, the more you're going to get the anterior orientation going up the right side as well. So again, this is this is why when you're on the oblique, right, the left side goes up, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 the the center of gravity shifts back towards the right. So so it's turning like this, right? So it's turning on the yeah. oblique this way. Okay. Yeah. And as they move forward, there's more and more and more anterior orientation on the right side. So that's why I start to lose the IR because I'm IRing in the spine. I'm not IRing in the hip. All right. So it it would be IR coming from from bottom up on the right because they're pushing more forward. All right. So they're, so they're, so they're on everything that they're doing is on this axis. Yeah. yeah. So they're doing this. Right, so they're doing yeah. this, and then yeah. they have to go forward like that, right? All right, and I was I was just seeing that that forward like that. I was just seeing the 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 relative ER of the of the left side, but it's probably not because they are already pushed forward. Yeah, just the stenosis starts happening. It's so so what you're seeing here. You go. So here's so this is the the situation, right? Yeah. Okay. As I go forward on the right side, so so this hand is going to hang on. Let me in. So this hand is going to start to go forward. Okay. But this one doesn't go. Anywhere. But this one doesn't move. But it looks like it's going this way, right? Everybody says, "Oh, you're turning left." It's like, nah. it's yeah. it's just like everything is everything's going to the same place. So again, it like if I do this, they look the same. If I do this, they look the same. So which yeah. one is? Yeah. Which, <laughs> 
it's this one <laughs> yeah it's 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 this it's this going on it's like so everybody says oh you're starting to turn left it's like i understand what you're saying but you're going to create a massive amount of confusion yeah All because right. if, if you think it's this that would be wrong yeah yeah got it you understand it. clear yeah because yeah, because so this is this is really important because again, people say, "Oh, it, that like this is turning one way, this is turning the other way." It's like you got to see where they yeah. are in space. Because if you don't, if you don't understand how the center of gravity moves, you you start creating this concept in your head that's not there. Yeah, because every time you, what's what's even forward, right? What's what's the front? You know, uh, and why why do I talk about the oh, imaginary sagittal plane? Because yeah. where does it go? Like like okay, where's straight ahead? Is it where your eyes are? Is it where your nose is? Is it where your is it where your your hyoid's facing? Is it where the pubis is facing? It's like okay, where's the sagittal plane that everybody's talking about? It's like yeah, give me a point of reference. Give me a point of reference. Yeah, and dead guys, hang on, dead guys have a sagittal plane. Yeah, they don't move. They don't move. Yeah, yeah. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. So today's Wednesday. That means tomorrow's Thursday. That means tomorrow's 6 a.m. Coffee and Coaches Conference call. As usual, I think we're on call 103 or something like that. So we've been doing these for a while. Always a great time. Great Q&A. Grab yourself some coffee and uh, please join us. Digging into today's Q&A. Uh, this started off with Andrew, got a little help from Ian, got a little help from Max. And basically what we're doing is we're talking about how we use ground contacts to create relative motions. And so the foot's a great example of that um, in, in uh, a number of cases. If you think about the bottom of the foot, as long as we have our four bony contacts, so two on the heel, and uh, first and fifth metatarsal heads, that's the foot contact that's gonna provide us the greatest degree of, of relative motions. Um, generally speaking, we're, we're for, forming a quadrilateral on the bottom of the foot, and that allows us to make these cool little turns and twists from ER to IR. If we lose any of those contacts, then we get a shape change that's no longer quadrilateral. And if we have something that would move, say, into a triangular shape, so I lose one of my contacts, I now have a triangle, which is actually a very stable structure, and that's actually gonna reduce relative motions. And so when we talk about propulsion, that, that could involve walking, it could involve rolling, which we talk about in this video, is that we wanna have those, those contacts with, with the ground. As long as we have those effective contacts with the ground, that's where our relative motions lie. When we don't have those, that's why we don't have relative motion. So when we're measuring people in the table, we're looking for the shape that is in physical contact with the ground, or in this case, with the table, that's going to allow us to be able to demonstrate the relative motions. When we have the shape change available to us, we can acquire the appropriate shapes in contact with the ground, and we have relative motions. So thank you guys, appreciate the question a great deal. If you'd like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15 minute consultation in the subject line so we don't delete it. Please include your question in the email. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Wednesday. I will see you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Coffee and Coaches Conference call. See ya. Yeah. So let, let, let me let me give you a foot representation and then an axial representation. Okay. Okay. You you're you're in a, a left leg forward split squat. So your right foot is behind you. Okay. There's four points of contact in that foot. Yep. 
Okay. And you're going, but wait a minute, there's only the first metatarsal and fifth metatarsal head on the ground. Oh, this is what the toes are for. Okay. So now I got a big toe and a first metatarsal and a little toe and a fifth metatarsal. Mm -hmm. Okay. For, for me, that relative motion, that would be my ground contact. So there's four points of contact there. If I, if I step back and I drop my back foot to the ground, those toes become part of the first metatarsal and the fifth, and the fifth toe becomes part of the fifth metatarsal. And then I got my heel. Could you go through that again? I can. <laughs> Dale, Dale likes that one, right? Um, th I, that was actually, I actually answered his question without answering his question. See, <laughs> sneaky that way. Okay, so stand up, please. You don't, you, we, we just need to see your feet. Uh, okay, I just, I need to turn on myself for you. Like that? Do you want me to take off my socks? Um, I, that's up to you. All right. Okay. So I, we can do, we can do this. If you just come a hair closer to your camera, this is going to work out great. So we're going to use your right foot. Okay. So your right foot's on the ground, correct? Yep. Okay. Real simple. So right now you can feel your heel. You can feel your first and your fifth metatarsal head, and you can feel your toes on the floor. Correct. Yep. Okay, cool. Now, all I want you to do is raise your heel off the floor. Okay. Now you feel first and fifth metatarsal heads, and then you feel your toes. Yes. Awesome. So there's a square on the floor. Actually, it's a rectangle, technically speaking. There's a, there's a rectangle on the floor that is the shape of your forefoot and your toes. Can you picture that? Definitely. Awesome. Drop your heel back to the ground. Okay. The square just got elongated to the length of your foot. So where you sort of had like that horizontally shaped rectangle when, you, when your forefoot was only on the ground, now you have a more vertically oriented rectangle. So you have two points of contact on your heel and then the, the, the big toe and the first metatarsal combined into one, the fifth toe and the fifth metatarsal combined into one. So there's your four points of contact. Okay, right. And so, and so the, the fact that we would get less relative motion on the rear leg in a split squat, that's almost a ground representation of the fact that we don't have as much relative motion in that hip. So you won't have as much relative motion because if your ground contacts um, are not are not intact with the, with the floor, you don't have you don't have that that you don't have the intersection of of the the helices that go across the foot anymore. Right, right. Because well, I'm, I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah. You ever have a client that has a really stiff big toe and they go, oh, I can't do that split squat because when, when my foot's behind me, I can't, I can't get my foot down on the ground. You ever have that? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they, can't, they can't control the, the rear leg because they don't have enough ground contact. They don't have their four points of contact to create relative motion through the hip. So you'll always see compensatory strategies in people that, that can't put their, their back foot down because they don't have those four points of contact. The toe has to be able to bend. Right. In a late propulsive representation, the toe has to be able to bend. The reason it has to bend is so I can maintain my four points of contact. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. So, okay, so it's like you don't, you, you would be careful in that circumstance that they're not leaving the first metatarsal because, uh, okay, I see it. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and again, it's like, are there times where we don't have the four points? Absolutely. But you, but you're not using relative motion at the, at the, that point in time. So, so as you, as you 
propel off of your foot where, where you're in the latest of late, right? You're going to lose the fifth metatarsal. You're going to lose the, the, the fifth toe. Your weight's going to go to the first metatarsal and the big toe. But I got news for you. Ain't no much. Ooh. I got news. I got, I'm going to edit that part out. Right. <laughs> you do not have relative motions at that point. Right. And, and again, the, the little rectangle on the ground of the, uh, the metatarsal heads and the toes is kind of, could you think of that as, as a good representation since it's like a, it's not as long of a rectangle, it's more like this. Um, that's correct. There you go. Uh, that, that's exactly what I was saying. So you understand. Okay. Okay. That, so that's almost a good representation of what's happening up the chain as well, because the, it comes from the, okay. Got it. Thousand percent. Yes, cool. sir. Yep. Yep. Awesome. That's very helpful. Well, good. I don't know if anybody else understood anything that we just said, but I know that you and I understand each other and that's a good thing. Please I'm, a little that I'm a little frightened by that fact, but, but it's a good thing. Well, uh, I hope I didn't waste everyone's time. <laughs> well, the points of contact thing, I think is a, is, is a, is a really strong point of confusion. Hey, Bill. Yes. On the points of contact thing, yeah. When you do, when you, when you say like, you know, say you're doing like a backwards over the left shoulder roll and the points uh -huh. of contact are starting to diminish the points of contact say you're on your left scap and your left op occiput, that's yep. where the delay is occurring for that roll. That's where you can get that, the, the expansion back of those points of contact. That's what the primary. Right. The, the, your, yeah, those are, that's, that's where your, your delay is going to happen because it's just like the foot being stuck to the ground as you're moving over top of it. Right. It's, and, yeah. and, and you know, that, that these are rules of propulsion, right? This is how, this is how you produce um, movement in a forward direction. Okay, great. Thank you. Man. Mm -hmm. And someone, someone with a very elevated scapulas because they're so a to P compressed, those points of contact get get closer together and that means less relative motion. Same and they're basically in the later representation of the just like you the the toes in the first med head. Yeah. All right. All right. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. But and then and then you've got to think about where the placement is on that point of contact. Okay. So um what happens, what happens to a foot when I'm trying to go forward, but I can't shift my center of gravity forward over the foot, but the whole body is moving forward over the foot? What does the foot do? I, would, I wouldn't get, I would. What do the toes look like under those circumstances? Like. So that's a shrug. Oh yeah, alright. <laughs> That's this. Just like, just like that is this. Coming closer together. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You see it? Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah. So somebody, so think about this for a sec. Okay. So let's let's use the backward roll as the example. Okay. So somebody's trying to walk on on a foot that looks like that has the clawed toes, right? Okay, so that means that their center of gravity is staying too far back. They're trying to lift up and over. And so they have to pull things closer together, right? And so how, how well do you think they're going to roll up and over that foot in a true late representation? Well, it's not going to be very good, 
right? Because again, you're creating, you're creating this massive amount of stiffness in the foot, right? I've, it, like all the connective tissues on the, on the plantar aspect of the foot are going to be in an overcoming representation. They're going to be very, very stiff, right? People always complain about, oh, I love it when you rub my feet because um, it alleviates some of that stiffness that they're feeling as they're trying to walk across the ground. Now, here's what I want you to do. Land your back, do a backward roll with a shrug. Tell me how great that feels, because what's going to happen is you're going to start to roll back. You're going to you're going to break your hips off the ground and your hips are going to go right back down onto the floor because you got the shrug, the clawed toes that are pushing you back into the ground. Because this is just your neck not wanting to. Yeah, create space. Yeah. All right. You see the curve right there. See that? See that curve? OK, that's yeah. the toes. The toes curved. Okay, if I do this, spine just curved forward too. It's it's an IR representation where you need where you need the expansion, right? Yeah. Awesome. See, it, it all starts to look the same after a while, doesn't it? Good morning, happy Thursday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand, and it is perfect. This is where I'm starting to get like more of a trying to like reverse engineer how to create a turn and a shape change. Gotcha. But I realize that I have a hard time doing that while understanding how people got to where they are in space. So could you either describe or have me do it standing or whatever means just figure where in space is end game for a narrow and where in space is end game for a wide. Sure. You cool. want to stand up and do it? Go ahead. So you're going to have to pretend to be both. Okay. So, so yeah. we'll, do, we'll do one and then the other. Can you move back a little bit? Ooh, a fair amount. Okay, cool. It's just so we can see where your center of gravity goes here. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're a you're a narrow ISA. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah, you keep saying that, but I keep having weird measures for. <laughs> okay, so you you've you've got a vertical axis relative to the Earth. Okay. And and based on your helical orientation of your narrow ISA, your helix is very close to that vertical. Yeah. Okay. So so as you turn. Um, your left side is going to come more forward, okay, relative, okay. relative to the right side. So what you're going to do is you're going to take the, if you think about, if you can picture the, your left sacral base and the, the left denominant, okay, yeah. and, and your left scapula, okay, yeah. we talked about this with Sanders. So gently, gently push your left side forward. So what that's going to look like is your left scapula will, will get, um, um, it'll actually get closer to your spine as you put, okay. So you see how you turned your head and everything? Yeah. Okay, your head is free to move uh, separately. So let's let's make sure that we, we there you go. Now, okay. what you should feel is that you feel the, 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 your, the weight on your left foot should go towards the, the metatarsal heads. I got that. Okay. So, so you're just a little bit heavier on your forefoot, okay? Yeah. All right, awesome. <clears throat> now, you should have gone straight forward, not gone to the right. 
Okay. Got it. There you go. So that you see, you feel the difference? Yeah. Okay. Now, where you have space to move, okay, and where you have less weight is where you're going to end up going. Yeah, because my gradient goes this way. There you go. And so, so um, essentially, you have to follow the same helical orientation that you did on the left side, but you can no longer turn back to the left because it's already compressed. There's no space to go into. Yeah. So as you compress the right side forward, it's going to create a left shift because the compression is going to go from your left side towards your right side. So it's okay. going to move you. So now you're going to move forward onto the right metatarsal heads. Okay, yeah, I get it. And there's your end game. Okay, interesting. So hang on. So, so you can feel this, so you can feel this. Um, get yourself over, over to the right and then lighten, lighten your right heel. Yeah. There you go, there's your narrow end game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is it? If you go any farther, you're gonna fall on your face. As of right now, I'm actually feeling it more. Kind of, I guess the like second to fourth met head. Is that normal? Well, you're, you're gonna again. You're you're starting to tip outside of your base. Okay. Okay. I see, I see. I see. I see. I see. Yeah. So that's so it, it, in that case, let's say I have someone who would be there in space. I would want to recapture like first met head and heel on right first and then that's going to move you to and the, then move you back to the left okay cool 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 and in order to do that real quick um one thing i started to do sometimes is have people like have their right foot on a higher surface than the left when they are like in a hook line or something like that is that a good way to kind of have them go back into the, the left work. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Might work. Might work. Okay, cool. And so now let's say now I'm Dale. I'm a, oh, I'm... <laughs> picking on Dale. Come no, on. No, no, no. I mean great, great representation of it is. another it... archetype. There you go. So so Dale's Dale's gonna be listening closely now. Okay. All right. Now, so your vertical axis, all right, um, is is now more perpendicular to your helical orientation. Okay, so your helical axis is, is more, it's more horizontal than it is vertical. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you're going to move, so again, you, you're, you're going to, to um, you're going to have to stop internal forces. So I got to, yeah. I got to, I got to push myself into a position where I can do so. Um, and so instead of the left side coming um straight forward and you're going to weight bear on the on the ball of your left foot so on the on the left met heads what you're going to do is you're going to turn on the helical axis which is going to drop your center of gravity towards the inside edge of the right heel okay so something like so, that so, so do this do this for me hold your arms straight out to the sides so this is your horizontal axis yes okay so you're closer to that one than you are uh the vertical Okay. Yes. All right. So what I want you to do is um, drop your right arm about 20 degrees. No, 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 no. Not your head. Don't do your head. Okay? Just that. Just that. Okay. And now if, if, if your left side would go forward, your right side's going to go back and it's going to drop you onto your right heel. 
Oh, I had it as soon as I moved my arm. Don't yeah, even so, need so, to. So you yeah. can see the difference like right away. It's like, it's like all I got to do is change the helical axis and the weight bearing becomes totally different. Okay. Okay. So, so right now, instead of going forward onto the, the, the met heads, you drop back to the right heel. Okay. Now, where's the available space? Well, it's still in, in front of you. Okay. All right. And now when you, when you start to move forward on the right side, okay, you're going to end up in the same place that you did when you were a narrow, you're just going to get there in a different sequence of events because okay. everybody has to go forward. There's, there's no other way to go. There's no other place to go. Okay. Yeah. And because you're already weight bearing on the right, it's like, you can't go more to the right. You have to go forward. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You see the difference between the two? Yes, I get. So that's helpful. So this I guess in... this is why the reverse engineering has to be different. That's why the, this is why. So the cues may be similar in regards to what you need to capture to create the motion. But because of the design of the human, because their helical axis axes are different, the behavior is different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk about the same foot cues, whether you're a wide or a narrow, but the direction that you're going to move is going to be different because you're designed differently. And, and yes, great. This is very helpful. If you could please put that up on YouTube, that would be great because I will listen to this many more times because I, I think I'm I'm gonna like like start just drawing like pelvises and foot. Um, to kind of get familiar to that sequence. And then when we want to reverse engineer it, um, in terms of like- just Watch the video backwards. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we go last to first in terms of the compensatory strategies that shifts us. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, wow. This is the fruition of like so many weeks of like, ah, shit, why do I not get that? How can I ask the right question? That was very, very helpful. Wonderful. Thank you. I think you asked a good question. Oh, thank you. How about we make how? Okay, uh, show of hands. Should we make that today's Instagram video? I think, I think that was a, I think that was a pretty good Instagram video. There you go. Alex. Yes. You, you win. Good morning, happy Friday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, well, a very busy Friday coming up. We're gonna dig straight into today's Q&A. Uh, this is with Andrew. This is actually a, a fairly short video, but, but very, very useful um, as we're talking about hinging activities, how we're going to apply this for a narrow ISA individual. Um, just as a quick review, our narrow ISA individuals are biased towards this ER representation in the pelvis. So we've got a counter-nutated sacrum, and typically for your so-called hinging activities, like some form of deadlift, RDLs, um, any number of forward bending type activities where we're gonna try to move through the, the, the hip joint, we've got a, a bias towards counter-nutation that's going to interfere with our ability to capture the nutated representation because we're moving towards an IR representation as we perform these so-called hinging activities. We also have an issue with, with the, the narrow ISAs in that their center of gravity is actually up and forward. And so we're gonna have to move the center of gravity down and back under these circumstances. And so again, they're just biased towards this representation that makes them a better squatter than, than a hinger. Andrew's doing actually a great job 
of sort of accommodating some of these these issues with foot position and, and um, inducing some muscle activity but there's also some issues that we have to protect against for instance if we have somebody that is uh, compressed in the posterior lower aspect of the pelvis so we've got a situation where we've got an, uh, an ischium that's getting closer to the base of the sacrum that's going to create some interference um, to uh, the, the, the forward movement, the posterior weight shift that we're going to need to create this, this hinging representation. And so again, Andrew's got some strategies for that that we talk through, and we also talk about some of the problems with that. So Andrew, thank you for this question. It's going to help a lot of people. If you'd like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so we don't delete it and include your question in the email. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Friday, a great weekend. Podcast will be up on Sunday, and we will see you next week. Uh, I have a question about a specific exercise and its merits slash dangers. Um, so recently I've been... Uh, I've used a toe elevated hinge for narrow ISAs, like where you put block between the knees um, to, to help them get the nutation of the sacrum, um, like prior to some other sort of hinging activity. Uh, and that's been really good. And the other day I experimented with somebody um, doing like a Romanian deadlift with just with the toe elevated platform because um, it seemed to get a favorable shape change. It was a narrow ISA individual. It's like they do well with that sort of activity. Um, and my thought process is that like, okay, well, that's still relative mutation of the sacrum. You can see the shape change in those people. So I was just wondering, um, is that a, a valid activity choice for a narrow ISA individual who's trying to, um, you know, maybe capture some strength within posterior lower expansion um and then is are there any sort of uh caveats or secondary consequences something like that uh, number one if you get to the desired outcome then you you are successful i mean that's kind of clear right okay. so so if you're doing well with it then then i like it the the things that you might run into especially with like a narrow isa is if they have a lot of proximal femoral er and you put something between their knees, they can still ER. So these would be your so-called butt squeezers. Like uh, you, you, can, you can stand behind them and you can tell, it's like, oh, this is not gonna go well. Okay, well, how, how, how can you tell just from the- Because they concentrically orient posterior lower. Like, like when, yeah. you, when you put something between someone's knees, if they, can, if they can produce the internal rotation from distal to proximal, so that's an early representation of IR, okay? If they, can, if they can create that internal rotation, then you're gonna be successful. If they can't, then all they do is, is compress even more. And these would be the people that you would see that are, they're, they're gonna be uh, more compensating more so through like the lumbar spine as a bend versus trying to get a sacrum that can actually move towards nutation. So the ways that you could tell, you said looking from behind, you would you be able to just tell Okay, so here's so here's what you do. You give them a hundred dollar bill. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You you fold it in half, <laughs> and you say, "I need you to place this in a in a in a very specific area behind you." Right? You understand where I'm going with this? 
Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll tell them with your permission that I'm doing this. Yeah, so here's what, here's, here's what you don't want. If I, if I squeeze something between my knees, I don't want somebody that does that. Right. That closes that space. The goal would be to open that space by squeezing the knees together. And, and the unfortunate circumstances that in, in a lot of cases, especially with your, with your narrow ISAs, they, they don't get that expansion. Like it's not automatic because again, if you have a big, uh, big uh, turn through the femur, so I got an ER proximal uh, IR distal femur and I put something between their knees, I can still ER. Right. That's, that's the concern, especially in, the, in like an upright posture, right? Because they're used to being forward. Now, you're doing a, you're doing a good thing by, by creating the forefoot elevation because that immediately slows, the, the, slows them down. It keeps their center of gravity back. That's good. The tibia is in a relative position of middle P. That's good, okay? Now you just got to make sure that you got a, you've got a pelvis that can change shape enough yeah. Right. And then you're going to be successful with that. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, you're making, you're making good choices. It's just be aware of, as you said, secondary consequences, because there will be those, like, you'll knock it out of the park seven out of 10 times. And then there's going to be those few people that come in, you're going to go, oh, okay, we need to do a little bit more work here. Um, if, if possible. Right. Right. Absolutely. That's all I needed. Thank you. Mm -hmm.